All right, welcome back to Speaker Peace Podcast. My name is Ian McNaughton. Uh, we're being joined by SYP creator Scott. Scott, how's it going? Hey, it's good. Back, good to be back on the podcast. A uh, bit of a different topic. Normally, I'm I'm the hockey guy, but we're going to talk golf today. So, well, we're going to talk hockey later on in the podcast. We're going to start with our golf conversation first because uh, joining us is Max Cleveland, who I don't know if he's our golf. Scott's kind of our golf expert too. We get Shmuel on here sometimes. Um, Kevin thinks he knows golf and Kevin doesn't really know golf, but uh, Max, welcome to the podcast. Glad you could be here. Um, What's going on, Max? Uh, You know, not much, just settling, settling in, you know, to university life, actually being on campus for the first time in my career here. So it's fun. I asked Scott this last. I asked Scott this last week. What's your favorite class so far? You know, I'm gonna go, gonna go with the the, the best one by far so far is uh, marketing for sure. Okay. Uh, I, none of the other ones are even close to that. So, uh, what do you like about marketing the most? The the, the subjects, the prof, uh, the people in the class. What, what what do you love about marketing so far? The stocks? You like stocks? Are you talking about stocks in marketing? Ah, uh, you know, it's <laughs> you talk a little bit about it, but no, it's just it's a fun class, fun environment, you know, good, good prof, good material. Unlike, you know, I I've got some econ courses and whatnot. It's it's not not my cup of tea. <laughs> All right. All right, cool. So uh we're gonna start with a Ryder Cup preview. Ryder Cup starts this Friday. Uh, at Whistling Straits in Wisconsin. Um, I personally am very excited for this Ryder Cup. I like Whistling Straits, the course. Uh, this is probably, I, I don't know if this is, it's not on with like ma- Masters or maybe some of the majors, you know, level, but it's still a really popular event. Uh, Max, uh, do you have anything, like what are you most excited about this weekend at the Ryder Cup? Uh, you know, I mean, with what we've seen in the recent golf news that the Bryson Brooks dynamic is probably going to be the most interesting thing to watch. Can they put their troubles aside and come together as a team, which is really what this Ryder cup is about. Uh, you definitely see that the U S team is probably the youngest it's been, I think in a long time. And the, on the other side, the Europeans are going with their, their vets. So, you know, that that's their strategy. And I'm, I'm, seeing how that's going to play out. That's my, my most exciting thing about this. All right. Uh, Scott, what are you most excited about for the Ryder cup this weekend? Honestly, I will say I, I did watch a video on each on the course, just kind of getting an idea of the layout um, for research. I did research for this pod. Believe me, I did some research here. <laughs> wow. Um, the course looks pristine. I must say it's right on, right on Lake Michigan. Um, oh, it's, it reminds me if anyone's played Tobiano, uh, for viewers, Tobiano's in Kamloops. It's got a very similar feel to it, kind of like it feels like it's on the ocean, but it's actually a lake. Um, it yeah, the course looks awesome. It's gonna be a great track. It's gonna be fun just seeing these guys try to rip it up because some some of the holes there's a 645 yard par five out on the track. I think it's 13 or 12. I'm not quite sure, but it's a it's a big one for sure. Mm-hmm. All right. So in case you don't know, the Ryder Cup is the is it biannual? Is that what it, what's every two years? Every, two, every two years. Yeah. I, I don't know if biannual is the right term, but somebody will correct <laughs> me on that. But pretty much every two years, U S plays Europe. 
this year it's in the U.S. In two years, it'll be in Italy. Uh, two years ago, it was in France. Uh, the U.S. lost, I believe, two years ago, correct, to Europe, wasn't it? Yeah, big time. Big time. Uh, I stayed up watching some of that, and I was very disappointed by the end result. This year, it's a little bit different. I think the U.S. is probably the better team, uh, more depth-wise, if you look at the golfers on the team. Uh, Max, do you think the U.S. is the better team with you know better personnel, or who do you think is the better team? Well, you know, I, I think this is the same thing every year. You know, the U.S. is by far the better team on paper, but how that translates into a team event like this is really the, the question that everyone asks. Uh, Europe is usually the one that can pull it together as a team, work together. You know, there's no drama really between them. So I, I, I'm thinking Europe is probably the stronger team, but the U.S. has the stronger players. Interesting. Scott, is there a guy on Team USA that you're really excited to see play this weekend in the Ryder Cup? Well, there's a bunch of them. There, again, you, I'm just looking at the, the guys that are on this team, and one through seven look insane to me. The fact that or Brooks Kepka is on my list, the seventh-ranked golfer on, on this team, just goes to show you how deep the U.S. are. Um, I'm going to say Justin Thomas purely because he's one of my favorite players on tour um, for Team USA. And again, to Max's point as well, like the Americans, I will see. Last time they were on home soil, they did win, albeit it wasn't by much, but they did win. Um, I think they will benefit from having fans at Whistling Straits in Wisconsin. Wisconsiners can go pretty nuts sometimes. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say JT, but there's a bunch of guys I could go with here. Okay. Max, is there a European player that you're really excited to see play at Whistling Straits? Oh, I, I got to go with Victor Hovland. No! I, I, oh. I love that guy. You know, the young gun. Uh, he's been playing great. His game is really suited for this course. You know, he's a long hitter. I, I really think he, he's the one that if he can turn it on, he could be a difference maker. So – Day so this is a three day event. So day one, the Friday, we got four foursome matches and four four ball matches. The foursome being the alternate shot, the four ball being the better ball. It's gonna be really interesting to see how this goes in terms of like Max said, working together as teammates. You know, you're trying to, you know, golf is such an individual sport. And now you're trying to come together and be a team and try and work as one. Who who do we think is going to be the guy that fucks up this weekend? That can't work as the team. I, I don't want to say Bryson, but like, is is it Bryson who we think could really fuck this up for Team USA and not work together? Yeah, you know, I I would say Bryson. Maybe he could come together, but you we look back at his history with you know all the drama with Brooks and other players on tour, and you know he just doesn't get along quite well with everyone as well his game is really not suited for the alternate shot at all because if he tries to pull one of his big bombs out then you know he's he screwed if he hits <laughs> it out and i'll just uh screw up his whole chemistry so I, I i'm saying it's him but again here's and then here's part of the thing too with bryson if you put him i would say if you're steve stricker you're not going to put him in the alter, in the alternate shot you're going to put him in the best ball and yeah. he's going to drive there, especially off the tee. You know, if if all if there's a guy in the middle of the fairway, he can really lean on one and get 
350, 360 yards down the fairway and have, you know, their, the next shot be pretty damn good. So again, lots to consider there. Um, I would, I'm going to say, I would say Morikawa, but okay. Yeah. I think he's a guy that he's very good as himself and within his own game, but in a team event, especially being a younger guy on the team, he might, if he gets down, if he hits a few bad shots and all the guys around him are doing well, he might like kind of like, I don't know, choke a bit and not, not hit shots like he should. His iron game is elite when he's on, don't get me wrong. But again, if he's not cooking those irons, then who knows, right? I'm, I'm interested to see how Sergio Garcia does mm. for Team Europe. I mean, he's a guy who, when he's on, he's on. And when he's off, which it seems like he hasn't had the best 2021, uh, he, he, he can be really off. I don't know if that's going to impact the team or if, you know, you know, when you golf and like somebody's having a real shit day and somebody's just like really negative and it's like, fuck that shot was awful. And just like that guy all day. I, I don't know if he's going to be that guy, but Sergio Garcia is definitely somebody who I'm intrigued to see how he performs with team Europe. Max, is there, who, who is the dark horse? I should say, who's the dark horse wild card player team USA or team Europe, Europe, the, the dark horse player that you're going to be watching this weekend. Yeah, you know, for Team USA, it's got to be Daniel Berger. He's always my dark horse whenever it comes to the uh, majors. I always, you know, I always place a little bet on him or something like that. And you, he always seems to perform in the in the biggest moments. So I'm saying he he could really be a difference maker. Again, as I said earlier, for Europe, I think it will be Hovland. Scott, who's your dark horse player this weekend? A great question. I'm gonna to say Tony Finau. Um, talking about Wilson Trace being a long hitter's course, he's one of those guys. He po- pops it out there pretty consistently on tour. Uh, Finau has had a great, great couple of weeks, especially in the playoffs. He played really well, had a win as well, which was huge, huge for everything. But um, yeah, yeah. Finau's my guy on Team USA, and um, Europe's tough. I'm going to say Paul Casey, but it could also be Westwood or Fitzpatrick, especially those guys, as those guys are veterans and, you know, in, in a tournament like this, having some veteran leadership, some good, you know, ability to calm guys down is huge. I would also have said Hovland because he is one of four guys I have kind of highlighted here on team Europe that if they're all on they'll win. Yes. So, okay. So that's what it kind of sounds like to me. That's kind of one of the takeaways, one kind of the, big stories heading into this weekend is Victor Hovland, where it sounds like he is going to be an X factor for team Europe at Whistling Straits. Is that, is that true, Max? Do you think that's, that's right? Saying that Hovland's an X factor? Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty good take. Uh, you know, if he's on, he's that guy that can hit it out there and consistently. And also he brings that energy that team Europe really needs, you know, it is a little bit of an older team. So if he brings that youthful energy and he's playing well, he'll get them going. Scott, you're going to love when I say that my dark horse pick is, to- is Tommy Fleetwood. Um, of course you are. Yeah, of course you are. I'm not surprised. That's like <laughs> one of my go-tos is just saying Tommy Fleetwood. I like Tommy Fleetwood. <laughs> I like the hair. I like how he plays. He, I thought he would be a little bit more successful on tour, but he hasn't quite hit where I thought he would hit yet. But Dark Horse, Tommy Fleetwood, look out. Um, so who are we thinking is going to win this weekend? 
are we are we are we thinking are we thinking a tie are we thinking because i think this is you know it's in it's in the u.s it's on a link style course like whistling straight sids which makes it even more interesting if somebody was placing a bet or somebody was going to put a bet on who we think would win this weekend max who who would you suggest people bet on to win this weekend yeah you know i mean I think it depends on the odds. I had seen that the uh, the U.S. was favored to win in the betting, so I, I wouldn't think it would be too bad to bet on Europe if you could make a little money because it's. I, I think it's going to be a pretty close one this year. I think this may be the year, though, that U.S. breaks their streak of having the more talented team but not performing. So I, I'm taking the U.S. personally. Scott, who do you think would will be winning this weekend? Who will be lifting the Ryder Cup come Sunday? Either the U.S. by a landslide or Europe by a hair, by about you know half a point. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Europe by half a point, and that's because I'm banking on John Rahm, McIlroy, Victor Hovland, and Sergio Garcia all putting on a show. Those four guys, those are the four guys I have highlighted, and if those four are dialed in, which they could be, and there's a very good chance that they could be, and um, if they're all good to go, and the t- and the rest of the team plays half decent the win max who do you think is going to be the mvp this weekend you know i'm gonna say it's gonna be jt i might steal the words from scott here but he's that guy he brings that energy and without patrick reed you know your captain america on the team he's gonna have to step up and be that guy for the u.s so i'm going jt I think he gets hyped up from like these kind of events, especially on being on home soil as it is this year for the Americans. And uh, I'm with you there too, Matt. I think JT, if the Americans win, he'll be the MVP. And if Europe wins, I'm going to say John Rom. Okay. I'm going to say Morikawa. Okay. I think he, I don't know. I just, I get a really, I really like the kid. Like I get a really good feeling when I see Morikawa play where it's like, you know, he's a young kid. I think he gets it. I think he understands what it's like, you know, A, just golfing at a high level. He's never obviously golfed at a Ryder Cup before, but he seems like somebody who would thrive under pressure in this kind of environment. He's thrived under pressure in major championships. So I'm going to say Morikawa, U.S. or Europe. I think he's my MVP. In case you didn't know, there's 28 points available. 14 and a half points are required to win. How do we feel about the Ryder cup itself as a tournament? Like if Max, if you had the opportunity, if you were like golf's commission, I don't know who runs the Ryder cup, but who, if you were the person who got to run the Ryder cup, would there be any changes that you would want to make to the Ryder cup to try and improve it or make it better as a tournament? Um, you know, it's a tough question. I, I personally like the format. I, I'm a big match play guy. So I like seeing the pairs and then the singles. Uh, you know, I, I could say maybe the team who just won maybe gets to keep home soil until they lose. I think that can make it so it's a, a little bit more incentive to win because currently the only incentive to win is one, bragging rights and you know pride. And two, in the case of a tie, 14-14 your team wins that's that's about it so that could be one thing they could look into 
Scott, if you had the opportunity, what would you change or what would you try and improve with the Ryder Cup? I'm kind of with Max too um, in a lot of respects. And I think the format itself is very good. It's very different from standard PGA tour or even European tour golf. Like they're, you know, the whole match play component, you don't see that very often on tour and it kind of gives people a different perspective on golf and it makes it very exciting. I think the, the Ryder cup itself is almost like a fifth major in many aspects. And I think that part of that part of it's really cool, especially I remember just 2016 watching the whole thing in, in its entirety and it was just awesome it was kind of the first like golf event where i truly sat down and watched all of it and, um so that was really cool i don't know but i think keep it going back and forth is good because it helps kind of grow the game um one i guess another thing would be to make it a little bit more international maybe have more teams involved I'm not sure how that would work but um having like instead of europe maybe like, maybe having individual countries and Make, making it not like even that, that. Just like um like a team i don't know team asia team maybe i still keep team europe but have like team north america so include canada united states team south america where you get guys like um joaquin neiman you know on you know from south from chile and you get um abraham answer from mexico you could get him you know just different like kind of expanding it a bit more if golf's trying to grow as a sport worldwide i think that's one way to do it is get these players from countries that you know, or if you will, far out there that you don't normally see golfers come from. That's, you know, that's the best way to grow the game, right? So. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. I, I, one of the reasons why I like the Ryder Cup so much is because of like the, you have the captains and then you have like, you know, the guys who qualify, whatever, the six guys who qualify for your team and then captains picks. Um, I think that's, I'd like to see more of that in golf, but maybe that's what makes the Ryder Cup so special because it's the only tournament that really does this sort of stuff of like captains getting to pick their play. Like, you know, you could have picked Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed would have been better than maybe Daniel Berger or Scotty Scheffler. But, you know, we all know who what kind of guy Patrick Reed is. So maybe that's why you're not taking him. Is there maybe some sort of format like this that maybe we'd see more in the future, more Ryder Cup style events, or is it just the Ryder Cup and it's the biggest grand spectacle, so we'll just keep it as the Ryder Cup? Any any thoughts on that, Max? Yeah, you know, I mean, there is the President's Cup, so the Ryder Cup that's, is every two years. President's Cup is like the alternate every two years, so in between then. So that's the, that's the international first U.S., I, uh, I, totally, I totally blanked on President's Cup. I totally, <laughs> yes, that, that exists. No, but with, with that, I have seen, you know, like I, I think the Ryder Cup itself is so iconic that I, I really don't think they need to change too much about it because you see these crowds and you see these fans. Like, and it's, it's pretty amazing. But with the President's Cup, I've seen some ideas saying that they should, you know, combine the uh, women's President's Cup. I, I can't remember the name and the men's and so then it's really the best of the both female and male golfers from the u.s against the best in the world and i think that would be a very interesting event to yeah, watch that would be cool i know i think curling does that in their grand slam tournaments they'll have like mixed doubles exactly I, yeah that's again similar premise of it right but i think that'd mm -hmm. be cool. i like that actually it's good it's good idea Final, final question on my end. This is the last thing I have, Max. And Scott, you can answer this too, of course. Who's going to be the least valuable golfer this weekend? Who's going to be the dead weight 
that each team is going to have to care who it's going to be the Ian McNaughton of this uh, Ryder cup that they're going to have to carry through thick and thin this weekend at whistling straits. Ooh, for Europe, there's a couple contenders. Uh, some of their players aren't playing their best golf. You've got Lee Westwood, who, you know, he's up in his mid-40s. He hasn't played well for a while. I actually like Lee Westwood. Like, he was a guy, like, I was like, you know, I know he wouldn't win majors, but it's like, you know what? He's, he's a there. Safe, he's a safe majors pick. Like, he's a safe yeah. guy to make the top 10. I think, yes, that was true earlier this year. But since his little, he had a bit of a good run in March. Uh, he hasn't been doing too well. I don't think it will be him, though. I think on the Europe side, it'll be Terrell Hatton. Um, he has been atrocious for the past couple months here. Yep. Like he is probably like last in strokes gained everywhere. So he's he's the biggest dead weight on the U.S. side. I think Scotty Scheffler isn't that he's not suited for this course. He's a bomber and he can he can get it out there. I just don't think they'll play him. I think they'll lean to some of their more trusted guys, even though a lot of them are rookies. Yeah. I mean, it's quite impressive of a team when like, you know, according, like according to the final points list, like Jordan Spieth is ninth. <laughs> like that, that, that also goes to show, like, I know Spieth is not, you know, the great guy that he's kind of been hyped up to be, but the fact that he's like the ninth best golfer, according to the points list for team USA, it's like, okay, this guy's pretty fucking good. Yeah, this guy's good. Scott, who is the uh, who's the dead weight Ian McNaughton taking part in uh, whistling in, in Ryder Cup at Whistling Straits this weekend? For Team USA, it's going to be Harris English. Um, I just weird feeling. I just think I don't know. He's one of those guys that could he? I mean, I could be very wrong here. He could be like one of the best contributors to Team USA, and he could be. He's had a he's had a pretty decent season for the most part. Um, Team Europe. Ian Poulter, I think, older guy. I don't know. I just I don't think he's the right guy for this course. If it was a course that was that was less, I guess more. Sorry, I was more forgiving. Maybe would be the the right word. Um, if it was more forgiving and a little bit shorter, I think he'd be a great fit. Just cause, and again, he brings the veteran experience. But again, on a loaded uh, Europe team with veterans, like it they kind of don't need him like he's like kind of the, the odd man out you know so i'm gonna say ian polter as my dead weight my ian, ian mcnaughton dead weight shoots 120 classic biggie you're, you're gonna be disrespecting uh ian's this weekend i see is how uh is how you like to do things um max yeah. this has been great do you have any final thoughts anything any other notes or anything you want to get off your chest or anything about this tournament that you want to share Ah, uh, you know, I, I hadn't mentioned it earlier when we were talking about guys we want to see, uh, but Xander Shoffley coming off of a gold medal representing the U.S., you know, he, that's his most recent time representing this country, so he's coming into this this group stage here. I think he could also be a difference maker, but as well, I'm just super excited to see how this course plays and to see, you know, all the fans and all the excitement. There's just a, a certain energy around the Ryder Cup that you just can't recreate. Scott, do you have any final thoughts or anything you want to nope. share well, about this? Max hit it on the head. Um, yeah, the course looks, based on the video I just watched of the course, uh, it looks unreal. I'm really excited to see these guys take it on. And 
um i'm just you know hoping i looked actually looked at the price uh it's, it's a public course so you can actually go and play it price price to play is 410 including cart and plus caddies 50 bucks plus tip for the caddies another 50 bucks so we're looking at a 600 round but again unreal course it looks like a good time these guys are gonna hopefully rip it up and we'll see some good action good golf action for sure I could not enjoy, I think, spending $600 on a round just for me to walk all over the place, lose balls, and just, you know, hit it into the water a dozen times in the round. I don't think I would enjoy that. Um, Max, this has been great. It's been great chatting with you, man. Do you have anything you want to plug or anything you want to share or anything you're working on before, before we head out here? No, not really. No, I just want to say thanks for having me. You know, I'm, I'm here anytime I can be that golf expert. Uh, and I guess if people want to follow, I have a Max Cleveland golf Instagram account. I, I don't post as much as I should on there, but pretty inactive. I must say. Yeah. We'll, ta- we'll tag <laughs> you. Working we'll, on it. we'll at least, we'll at least give you the tag. Don't worry. We also have inactive accounts, but we'll give you Fair. the tag yeah. on that and we can help promote that. Yeah. Um, Scott, what's the uh, what's the update on the Kelowna hockey? So uh, the KJRHL. So currently, the jerseys are getting sorted. We're waiting on the logo. Once that comes in, I'll send it to the guys doing the jerseys. My guys at Chevy's Social Sports. So if you're in Kelowna and you need your skate sharpened, come see me working at Chevy's or any of the boys. The boys know how to get it done. So um, yeah, go check out Chevy's. That's where we're getting our jerseys done and. Yeah, should be good. Should be good. Well, hopefully, we'll get them for night one, and we'll get some content going once we get those jerseys, and we'll it'll be good. Yeah, looking forward to it. For sure. Awesome. Uh, thanks, Max, for uh, for coming on. We'll do another golf pod here soon. Scott and I will be right back as we discuss the Metro Div- Division. So, thanks again, Mac. We'll be back soon. All right, welcome back. Uh, Scott and I now are going to be going through the NHL's Metro Division um sponsor sponsored by the new york subway that's who we should have done an ad read for was the uh, new york city subway system or the long or I the thought uh, about, i thought about like new york city's like subway like the restaurant how you're talking about oh Washington. no no that's not what i was referring to at all <laughs> or the uh what is it, the long island uh long long island expressway i was gonna say staten island ferry could be a sponsor for the two yeah there you go yeah, uh last week we talked on we, we talked about the atlantic fairly concise division we kind of had a, a pretty good idea of where it was going and who was going to do well and who would be successful in it this week we're doing the metro and who the fuck knows what's going to happen in this division uh that's why we both got drinks for this um so you know if we can, if we do get a pick wrong uh we can just say that we were drinking and that's that's why um yeah that hits the spot so Last week, we started from teams we thought were going to be in the basement to teams that we thought were going to be like really high in the playoffs. We're going we're gonna to kind of go through that this week, but I think here's the thing. So here's my thoughts on the Metro. I think there are six potential teams in this division. Yep, I agree with that. That's very valid. I think New Jersey is a bit of a reach to make the playoffs this year. They're a reach, but again, that's one of those things, like you said off the top, who the fuck knows who's going to go where. They're one of those teams that could surprise a bunch of us, depending on a few guys, but we'll get into that once we talk about the first team we're going to talk about. So we're going to start with the Columbus Blue Jackets, who 
we're coming off a weird year last year where um, Torts probably stayed for one year too late. Yep. They, they did the line A Dubois tra- trade as well as Jack Rosovic was in that trade as well at the beginning of last season, pretty much beginning of last season. Um, this year they got Brad Larson as their new head coach. Um, their, their goalie situation, it's still Merzlikens. Corpusalo, so goaltending, they're, they're you know still pretty consistent. Merzlikens just signed a five-year deal uh, today, actually. Yeah, just as, I, just as we record this, um, there's still plenty of, of pieces on this team. Zach Rowenski is on this team; he's the team's top defenseman. Um, Seth Jones is not there anymore. Max Domi is still on his team. Boone Jenner looks to be like another assistant captain. Um, I mean, Bjorkstrand, Patrick Line, Jakob Vorchek, who they just added yep. over the offseason. But I think the takeaway with Columbus is that this is if there's any team who for sure will not make the playoffs, it, it's probably the Blue Jackets. Oh, 100%. It just they don't have a number one center on their team. And in as we know in this league, you know, there's a premium to pay for centers, and a lot of times you got to draft them. And, I'll be they did draft Kent Johnson fifth overall this year, which by the way is one of the best picks in the draft, but we talked about that earlier. Um, I will say Columbus did have a great draft, and I think you can you can agree with that as well, Ian. And um, but this it's team, pretty it's pretty hard not to have a good for like good draft when you have three first round picks. First round picks, absolutely. But again, the point you know, point being is that they're not a playoff team and they're just they're gonna have have another year in the basement in albeit a very good metro division but they just they won't make the playoffs so so they they also added jake bean from carolina um you know they 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 acquired sean corrali from boston who is not actually a bad player and you know they re-signed jenner line a eric robinson alex uh texier yeah texier texier um you know I don't want to be like the don't sleep on Columbus, like Keith, but like, <laughs> I think in three and four years, this team could be like, as some of the teams and top teams in the Metro get older and they decline a bit more, Columbus could be a team in three or four years that can really be a successful, exciting team to watch. Oh, no doubt. And I think just looking at this top six and even some of their like defense, their defense core to me doesn't excite me that much, but some of their top six, they can trade as rentals and get some really good assets from and kind of start to stock, keep stockpiling their already solid draft pick pool, which will eventually become their prospect base. So we talked a little bit about it last week. X factors or players to watch this season on teams. I'll give you mine. I'll say Voracek okay. because, because he was traded straight up for Cam Atkinson. Cam Atkinson was a fan favorite in Columbus. He was a guy that people really liked. Now he gets traded for Voracek, who I guess has a higher ceiling as a forward. Not yep, quite definitely. not not quite the same guy as Atkinson is, but this is kind of the like the one-for-one one trade where it's like, okay, it's easy to kind of tell who won the deal based on how well each player performs, right? Absolutely. Like you, like you can go through like in mid-February, like, oh. Voracek has 55 points and Atkinson has 45 points. So maybe Voracek is a bit better than Atkinson. You know, that type of thing. Yeah. 
For sure. Um, I'm with you there. Again, Vort, this is Vortex's second time in Columbus. So he does know the team. He knows the city. Uh, he was drafted by Columbus, after all, in the first round, I believe, a couple years, or not, not a couple years, like a while ago now, 20, 2007, I think. Um, I'm going to go with Patrick Line as my X Factor. And purely for the reason that we should watch if he gets, if he wants out of Columbus, he might get traded. And he might be one of those rental pieces I talked about that, especially if Columbus is a seller at the deadline, which they most likely will be. Um, watch for him. Yeah, but if he has, if he puts up 25, 30 goals, he might be really attractive to some teams, right? So we'll see. So we both agree that Columbus is going to finish last in the Metro. Let's go with the team next that we think is going to finish second to last in the New Jersey Devils. Yep. So the Devils, actually, again, they don't have that awful of a roster. You know, your goalies are Jonathan Bernier and Mackenzie Blackwood. That's this pretty solid tandem, i got to say. Fairly solid tandem. Yeah. Decor, you got Ryan Graves, Dougie Hamilton, P.K. Subban, Ty Smith, Damon Severson. Not a bad decor. Dare I say that's a top 10 decor in the NHL? Maybe even top five? Maybe? Maybe. I mean, it, it, it's not bad. Jonas uh, Siegenthaler, like, you, you know, this team isn't that bad defensively. They're not, especially with Blackwood and Nett. They've, they've built from the back out, and they've got a good goalie and, like you said, a solid decor. I will say the Dougie Hamilton signing is huge and he does make this team better right away, especially when you're moving Subban as your third pair right shot defenseman. It's pretty good. So a forward group is probably where you're most concerned. Cause I think there's a, a, there is some worry about where goals might be coming from, but I mean, you got he's you got Jack Hughes, you got Pavel Zacha, maybe Daka, maybe he can pick it up this year. Maybe he can bounce back. Y- Igor Sarangovich. I'm, I'm getting these names, uh, not butchering them all. Jesper Volquist, Jesper Brat, Andreas, Andreas Janssen, Thomas Tatar, Miles Wood. Like, it's not even that. I don't think it's as good as a, like compared to the decor. But I think it's still a top 24 group in the league. Yeah. Yeah. Again, the, again, here's the thing is that this is going to, this is a pretty young four group and this is probably one of the youngest teams in the NHL, if I'm not mistaken. Um, no, they have uh daily face off has Nolan foot on their fourth line. Again, who knows where he's actually going to end up on the team. He might even play up further and up in the lineup, but yeah. Michael okay. McLeod, Michael McLeod is on this team. Yep. A lot of ex, a lot of ex, uh, Hockey Canada World Junior guys, but Chase Stillman, Chase Stillman. I don't think he's on the roster, but he'll no, be. No, he he got drafted this past year. He got drafted this past year. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, I mean, I will say he's sure and Hughes in your one-two in the middle in a couple years. That's going to be really scary. But they're just, Hughes isn't quite there yet. He's close, but he's not quite there. I mean, they did lose Will Butcher in the off season. They traded Nick Merkley to San Jose. They got Frederick Gauthier, Jimmy Vesey. I, I still think they're a better team than they were last year. And a lot of that's because of their improved decor with Graves and Hamilton coming in. Do, do you know who the coach is for New Jersey? 
without searching it up, can you tell me who the coach is on New Jersey? I feel like, oh, who is it? I don't actually know. Don't search it up. Don't, don't I'm not, search. I'm not looking it up. I'm going to guess. It's going to be someone really obvious that I'm just forgetting. Um, is it? It wasn't, it wasn't that obvious when I first saw it. Is it John Hunt? It's not. He's in he, Nashville. That's right. He's in Nashville now. He was in New Jersey for a bit. Um, who is it? Lindy Ruff. Wow. You know, I don't know. That, yeah. That, just, that I, seems weird with this raw. Like, that just seems like a weird mix with this roster and the coaching staff. Or is that just me? It's not a Lindy Ruff team. If no. You ask me. Like, coach was brought in because he's got good tenure and a lot of experience, but this doesn't really scream like a Lindy Ruff team. I don't know. I just don't see a lot of, like, other, outside of like Miles Wood and, and McLeod a little bit, I don't see a lot of bite on this team. And usually Lindy Ruff's teams are pretty like not heavy, but play with a bit of an edge, you know? I, I, yeah, I, I, part of it, I think this team will finish second to last in the division. I agree. And that's mostly because of how good everybody else is. I don't think it's necessarily about the depth, like how bad the Devils are, because I think the Devils could probably yeah. make the playoffs if they were maybe in the Central Pacific. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't think they're that good yet. All right. They need another year. I will say they're, they're if they had a better forward core and could actually put the puck in the net. You're right. Different story. They could make the playoffs, but they just don't have that quite yet. They need one more piece on offense. At least two. At least two. Okay. At least two. And again, we'll see what. Nolan Foot does development wise, but if he becomes kind of like a middle to top six scoring winger, can put up 20, 25 goals. Different story, but we'll see. We'll see what happens for sure. Um, you know, let's keep it in the New York metro area. Yep. And let's let's discuss the Rangers next. Okay. So I like it. The Rangers had a weird kind of end of last year into this year where they they had the whole Tom Wilson thing at the end of last season. Yep. And then uh, David Quinn gets fired. They get Gerard Gallant as their new head coach. Yep. But they also do some weird, intriguing moves in the offseason where they acquire Barkley Goodrow for a seventh-round pick, which yep. that in itself isn't actually too bad, but they gave him a six-year deal. Okay. Yeah. They got assets for Brett Howden. Somehow. Uh, you trade Pavel Buchnevich to the Blues for Sammy Blay and a second-round pick, which, I mean... To be honest, I think the Rangers win that trade, but that's just me. I think it probably works out for both sides in the end. It does. In, in the end, yeah, for sure. Um, And then they also get Ryan Reeves for a third round pick in 2022 from Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, they get Patrick Nemeth, Jared Tenorti. Some depth guys. No, nothing. Depth. nothing. They buy, they finally buy out Tony D'Angelo. Finally. Yeah. Um, we're, I guess the question is, what are the Rangers and where are they going? They're developing. That's my, that's my word for the Rangers. 
Man, are they close though. This again, this could be the year. They had two award winners last year. They had Panarin won Lady Bing, I believe. Adam Fox won the heart on the um Norris. He won the Norris, yes. Won the Norris, and then I'm, I'm pretty sure Panarin won Lady Bing. So let me just, their, de- let me just their, de- their defense is actually, I think, a, a bit underwhelming considering the other groups we've mentioned, like Adam Fox won a Norris. Keandre Miller is a really good defenseman. I don't know if he gets enough praise for how good he is. Yeah. I like Ryan Lindgren. Libor Hayek is a fine defenseman. Yep. And that's your top four. It's a bit of a... Outside of Adam Fox, very underwhelming. I think that's a good that's a good call. It's it's a bit of a stretch. I, I think Miller and Fox are your top four. It's a bit of a uh, and Truba. Truba is the other guy that I'm missing on that. Right. Truba is I, I forgot about Truba. So Truba, yeah, okay. It's a bit of a stretch with that top four. I think I like Truba. I like Fox. I like Andre Miller, but I don't know how that translates for the rest of this team. Yeah, they need another guy, another guy in there to really make it worthwhile. For offensively, you have a weird mix of play where you have like Philip Sheetle, Mika Zabinajad, Ryan Strom, but you know, you have Alexis Lafreniere, you have Capocaco, like, and, and you have Panarin, but then you also have the Barkley Goodros, the Sammy Blyes, the Ryan Reeves. Yeah. You know, I, I will say, I do like the Rangers forward core. Um, that first line, last year, the first line with Kuznevich, Panarin, Zibanejad was lethal. No doubt about it. And again, another step from Kravtsov this year. Lafreniere is going to hopefully take another big jump. This is a scary looking top six. And with Kreider and Chittle on, and Goodrow as a third line, that's pretty good. Um, if I would say, if you combine the Rangers and the Devils, that's an elite team right there. I gotta say, sure. I gotta say, a hot take right there. Combine Rangers and Devils. That's that's the number one team in this division. But that's not how it works. So, um, yeah. I yeah. I don't know. I just think like I want the Rangers to be good. I want them to be successful. I want them to be a really good team. Mm-hmm. I just don't. They're kind of all. You know what it is. I think with the Rangers is that I think they are partially built for the regular season, but then also built for the postseason. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if they get to the postseason with those guys right now. No, I don't think so either. I don't think they're quite there. I think you're right. They're they're close, and they're definitely going to be an exciting team to watch this year. But again, they're just not quite there. X-Factor guy you're going to be watching this year? Lafreniere. If he has – he's a stud. I mean, you're probably going to say Lafreniere too. If he's a stud and if he can put up 60, 70 points, which he could do, you know, you know, he was his first year wasn't so good. And again, during COVID, you know, that affects people different ways. And maybe he was a guy that didn't get off to the right jump. This year, fresh training camp, fresh start, he might put on a show. And especially being the second quote, second best left winger on that team behind Panarin, who by the way did not win an award this year. It was just Adam Fox, um, who won Norris. Um, well, good, good, for you, good for you for clarifying that. Yeah, I just wanted to make, make that clear, make sure I know what I'm talking about. But no, Lafreniere is going to hopefully take a big jump. And yeah, I'm, 
I, he's got the skill and the ability to do it. So if he does, then look out. So my X Factor player to watch. I'm going to say Ryan Reeves. Interesting. Okay. Because I think he does really well in the Rangers organization. He gets to play in Madison Square Garden in the biggest, one of the biggest cities in the world. I remember reading Sean Avery's book about just like the larger in life kind of status that New York has and Madison Square Garden has and playing for the Rangers has. When you get to be that guy in that city, in that arena. And I know it's not Vegas. Vegas is a different beast than what New York is. Absolutely. But I I really think that Reeves will thrive and he'll have fun and he'll make it entertaining in, in, you know, the most world's most famous arena. No doubt. I think Reeves is a guy that, He's kind of, I think he was St. Louis and he went to New York or to Vegas and now he's in New York, kind of moving up in a way. And I, I like it. I like that point, actually. It's a really good point. He's going to, he's going to thrive. I think he'll have a good time and he'll be like a kind of a steadying force. He'll be kind of like McStorley to, I don't want to compare the Rangers to the 80s Oilers, but I'm just saying like he's going to be that kind of guy, like a, kind of a steadying force and obviously a guy that a Tom Wilson, a, call it Jordan Martin from Carolina or a guy like I don't know um you n- name your enforcer that's gonna pick on the good Milan Lucic Milan Lucic for example yeah there you go he's gonna be the guy that's gonna say no sir like don't fuck around with my stars because he's gonna you're not you're not touching Panarin or Laugh or Kako or any of those oh, guys that won't, be a pro- that won't be a problem anymore in no. New York no doubt about it and it was the same with Barkley Goodrow but like Reeves is like that's the first guy that comes to mind for me Okay. Philadelphia. Let's move it. Let's go with the Flyers. Okay. So they did not have a good year last year. I think they were one of the teams that was really, that it really impacted them COVID wise. Like not actually COVID physically itself, just how the season played out, how the divisions were played out. All that sort of like having to go to Tahoe and you play like a game in Tahoe and you have to do that trip. And there were injuries last year. I think there were a lot of different factors that impacted Philadelphia last season. Yep. For sure. That being said, they are a fringe playoff team. This is, you know, an even year coming up. You know, they is. They do make the playoffs. They do make the playoffs every other year. Every other year. Can I spit a hot take? This is my. This is time for my hot take. I was wait. I was waiting for this team. I was wondering okay. where you're gonna. Let, let, in, let in, me hear in, it. The Flyers will finish in second place behind the Carolina Hurricanes. Okay. That's my. It's not maybe not a hot take, but let's just say I think we can both agree on this. Carter Hart is the number one candidate for a bounce back year. There's no arguing that whatsoever. And he's gonna do it. He's gonna put up a great year. I don't think he'll be Vesna caliber, but he'll be close. Um, and again, he's got a great team in front of him. The the Flyers on paper are a very good team, especially with their newer additions. I uh, yeah, go ahead. I I was gonna say, if Philadelphia has a really good like, if they make the playoffs this year, right? Yep. It, it's because Carter Hart has like a 250 GAA 
or less and like a 925, 930 save percentage. Yep. Like that's what like that's what the bare minimum is for him. This and that's what I think what's expected of Carter Hart. Yeah, I think that's like the like average Carter Hart. That's what what we would expect to see. Elite Carter Hart will have two ten or less goals against average with a nine thirty plus save percentage. I'm with you. I'm with you there. And again, with some new additions, kind of kind of some fresh faces. Again, we can talk about Ryan Ellis. Maybe the decor is basically overhauled. Ryan Ellis, Rasmus Ristolainen, and Keith Yan are all new additions on the Flyers decor. So. I like Ryan Ellis. Yep, so do I. Wasn't really the biggest fan of Rist Line, and I thought it was a bit of an overpay for him. Sure. Okay. I didn't get the 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 goss the go, goss to despair the ghost trade. I get that he like it's a bit of an expensive cap, but I think you could have found teams that were pay- I, I, re- I refuse to believe that there were not teams that were willing to pay assets for Shane Goss's bear. And instead you had to throw in a second and a seventh to get him out of there. I find that hard to believe. Right. I mean, again, here's the thing, you know, you, again, that's, that's great. But again, do you think Keith Yano is a better, maybe not player, but a better asset for the flyers than Goss's bear is. Do you think? Probably. I mean, yeah. Like, if, if, if here's the thing for Yandel, if shit really hits the fan this year for Philadelphia, they can probably move Yandel at the deadline. They can move a few of those guys on that list. Sure, but yes, he's one, he's one of the candidates for sure. But Philadelphia, so Philadelphia, what they need for Philadelphia to have a playoff season, right? Carter Hart needs to bounce back. Yes. Yes. Their defense needs to be really good. Yep. Not really good, but like top 10 in goals against. Yep. And you need scoring. Yep. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the lines are. You can tell me what the lines look like for the Flyers this year. But I mean... I'll, I'll just quickly run, quickly run it down. Uh, JVR, Kachiria, Konechny is your first line, and that and that ha- so that has to be JVR who led the team in scoring last year. Yep, he did. JVR has like that has to be a top ten first line. I think it might be. It has to be if they're going to make the playoffs. That has to be a top ten first line. Yep. Yeah, and then you got Giroux. Atkinson and Joe Fairby as your second line, which again, pretty solid, but again, those guys got to be going. Yeah. But again, again, we can talk about this with every team. If, if every player on the team's going, then they'll make playoffs. And again, you said it's an even year. So the Flyers will be gone this year. Right. Um, X factor on the team for you. Ryan Ellis. Okay. Ryan Ellis for sure. Uh, as he's again, he wasn't the top dog in Nashville because there was a couple other guys that were better than him, but now he's the guy, and I'm pr- I'm thinking he's gonna be thriving really well in Philly. It's a ho- not okay. It is a hostile environment again. Love it if you're a Flyers guy, but if you're a Penguin going in that barn, it sucks. So um, I'm gonna say Ellis, and I think he's gonna have a great year, and he's gonna turn it on as the one number one guy in 
Wells Fargo Center. I'll say Claude Giroux. I I think if Warcheck is, you know, getting shipped out, there's a chance they might ship out Giroux. Yeah. I I I truly I thought those two were like kind of peas in a pod, kind of like one, two together. And if you got rid of one, there's probably a chance that you're willing to move the other. Right. Interesting. I if you so if you look at Claude Giroux, I, I'm I'm gonna do this quickly here. Sure. Uh, Claude Giroux stats. Okay. Yes. So Giroux yep. had 43 points in 54 games last year. Okay. Yep. He's a pretty healthy player. For the most part, he's been whole career, yep. Pretty I, much. I yep. He he's had he had 53 points uh in 2019-20 before the league shut down. 85 points in 2018-19 in 82 games, so a little over a point per game, but pretty much a point per game player. Yep. Had 102 points and 68 assists in 2017-18. It's a good year. 58 points in 2016-17, 67 in 15-16, 73 in 14-15, 84 in 13-14. So, like, uh, 93 in 11-12. So, like, he hits, like, these highs and these lows almost. And even, like, the lows, like, he had, yeah, 58 points in 16-17. Right. I, I just, I, I wonder if if he doesn't get it right this year, if he struggles this year, if he only putting up 60 points this year at that at the cap hit that he's on right now, which according to hockey reference, 8.275. That's a lot of money for a second line center. It's a lot of money for a second line center. It's a lot of money. If he doesn't score 80 points this year. It is. And again, it, maybe it's the thing he needs to change the scenery. I'm, and he is a captain of the Flyers. So there is something to be said about that. But again, to your, like to your point you talked about earlier, maybe it's time the Flyers ship him out. If he's not, again, if he's not performing, if he's not doing what he should, but again, we'll see. I like, I like, that's a good, that's a good X, X factor pick. I like that. It's a good one. It's kind of, it's not like the contract year type big season for him but it is still like an important year i would say it, it feels like it yeah especially for him being at the age he is he's not that old but again at the age he is you just he's got to do something here let's go with in-state rival pittsburgh penguins yep. for our next team yep so they had a really underwhelming end to last year yeah, really did. I mean, they did finish first in the restructured Atlantic. They division. finished first in their division, and they lost in five games, six games to the Islanders. Six games to the Islanders, yeah. So, with that being said, this almost feels like a make-or-break season for this team in a way, does it not? Yeah, in a lot of aspects, I think that's that's a good way to look at it. Um, I mean, we all thought Pittsburgh wasn't making the playoffs last year, and they ended up finishing first in the division. So there's, you know, some right, there's some some something to be said about that. So, so your goalies this year are Tristan Jari, who really was underwhelming by the end of last year. Yep. Um, Casey DeSmith. Yep. 
Louis Domingue is your third goalie. So, okay. On defense, Brian Dumoulin, you got Chris Letang, John Marino, Mike Matheson, Marcus Pedersen, Chad Ruedel. Yep. I don't know, man. Again, but here's, you know, again, here's the thing is that that decor more or less has been the same since their two back-to-back cups. More or less, there's a few guys that have changed, yeah. But again, it, the structure and kind of how the players are, their types of roles, they're all pretty similar. Like, they've got their one top dog in Latang. Dumoulin's a fine defenseman, but he, he's no top pair defenseman. He's maybe no. top four, yeah, but maybe not your prototypical top pairing defenseman like he's projected as on daily faceoff. I'm with you. Like, it doesn't look good, but, man, when you have Crosby Malkin – one and two in the middle, you never, never bet against them. So the forwards, Crosby, Malkin, Zach Aston Reese is on this team. Teddy Bluger is on this team. Brian Rust is still on this team. Brian Rust, Jeff Carter, Jake Gensel is only 26 years old. Only 26. Can you believe that? Kasperi Kapanen, Jason Zucker, like Danton Heinen is on this team. Former duck. Former duck. You know, there's a world in which, you know, this forward group could be a really good, you know, solid team. Solid, solid group. On yeah. for, uh, offensively. Yeah. Um, they, they lost Brandon Tanev in the expansion deal. They, they lost Cody Cece. I think Tanev's going to be, with such a locker room guy, they're going to have a hard time trying to replace him. Where that comes from, I don't know. Brock McGinn, maybe. Maybe Brock McGinn, maybe Dan Heinen. When I met I met Dan Heinen, actually, last year, I played Black Mountain. He happened to be in the group in front of us, so I mm. got a fun story. So I actually met Dan Heinen. Yeah, oh, you're just going to you're gonna throw that out there? That's like your weird flex, but okay. It's like, yeah, I met Dan Heinen. I, yeah. I know who he is. Not a big deal. I was wearing a Ducks hat, and he, he, he noticed the hat, and he came over and said hi. And had a Should have asked him to it. Oh, I should have. I didn't have a pen on me. Anyways, no, it was a black hat. Black pen wouldn't have worked. But um, no, you know, all things considered, like he's not, he's kind of a quiet guy. He's not like a very big, brash, outspoken personality. Kind of like Brandon Tanavis. He's a little more out there, outgoing. But again, Cro- again, like I said, off the top, Crosby and Malkin are just so good. And they're great. Crosby especially is one of the best leaders of all time in the NHL. So... And obviously, I, I shouldn't say obviously, but like a, a thing to mention with the Penguins yep. is Ron Hexall is their GM and Brian Burke is in the organization doing something. He's a part of the upper management group. So yeah. I don't know how that plays into this, but I, it's just something I, I thought I should mention. I, I thought I'd bring it up to people. I mean, those are two of the better hockey minds in the game and they're both on one team, which is, you know, something to be said about that, right? So again, with... We'll see how it goes. I have them as a playoff team. Okay. I'm they're they're, they're a playoff team in my on in my book here. So, who's yeah. your X factor or guy to watch on the Pens this season? Jeff Carter. Ooh, I Jeff like that. Carter. Jeff Carter had a really strong second half. As soon as he came over from Los Angeles, he tore it up, and he kind of helped the the Penguins get to first place in the division. Albeit they did lose in the first round, but. The fact that he, as at his age, he's an 03 draft, so he's 35, 36. 
he's old, getting old, but he still produces. He still puts the puck in the net, and he is one of the generation's finer goal scorers, especially in the last decade. So, I will say it, he's overpriced for that role as a third line center. Sure, but that's a really good situation. Like that's a really good spot, a really good situation for him being the third line center behind Crosby and Malkin, and. Yeah. You just throw a couple wingers and they'll make it work. They're Pittsburgh. They'll figure it out. Yep. Um, who's my X factor on the Penguins this year? Hmm. You know, I don't know if we've mentioned goalies, but I'll, I'll, I'll say Tristan Jari. Yep. Okay. I like that. He, if he, again, similar to Giroux, put up or shut up. Like if he doesn't do well this year, They'll get a new goalie. Ron yeah. Hextall. Ron Hextall will get a new goalie. He will find a better replacement. He might play for the Penguins. I mean, I don't think he will because he's been such a Flyers legend. But you know what I'm <laughs> saying. He 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 will find a a good goalie if Jari isn't the answer. I don't know if Ron Hextall will ever throw on a Penguins jersey in his life. I don't think he would. I I don't think that's him. But no, he wouldn't. He wouldn't dare. So. Your X factor, your X factor is Carter. My X factor is Tristan Jari. I'll throw it to you. I'm interested. What's the team you? Is there another team you want to chat about or discuss here? I've been kind of leading the way here, but yeah, I think we should talk about Washington next, the okay. Capitals, and just purely on the fact that well, we'll see what happens with the Capitals. They're very. I want to hear your thoughts on the Capitals. They're a very weird team this year. Um, isn't that like every team in this division though? Like they're they're like we think they're yeah. good, but like their roster build is we like between the Caps, the Flyers, the Pens, the Rangers, even the yeah. Devils with who their coach is. It's like a weird mix. A of... Weird mix. Like uh, all I'm gonna say, the the Capitals didn't really do anything in the off season. There is nothing that notice notable that they did, and so, I mean. Based on uh, daily, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, they 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 made a couple trade. They, they traded it for a draft picks with Arizona. They traded Brandon Dillon to Winnipeg for two second rounders, which that's a really good deal if you're Washington getting that's two a second. Great deal for Washington, yeah. And they traded a second round, one of those second rounders from Winnipeg that they got for Brandon Dillon to Seattle for you know Vitek Vanacek, who they drafted. Uh, Seattle drafted the expansion draft, so. Yep. I mean, I mean, otherwise they they signed Matt Irwin, Dylan McElrath. But again, these are all depth guys. They're they're not going to see the ice that much, especially. Well, maybe maybe it's like maybe maybe it's like a money ball thing where they were you know and between Irwin and McElrath, they should replace Brandon Dylan. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um. So you have Ilya Samsonov. Vitek Vanacek as your goalies. Yep. John Carlson, D-man, Nick Jensen I like, Dmitry Orlov, Justin Schultz, Michael Kempney I think is, is injured. He, he, he should be getting back in there at some point this year. He'll be back this year, yeah. A guy, I'm, I don't know if he's my X factor, but I think a guy that I'm, you know, interested in on the Capitals is uh, Alex Alexeyev. Oh, Alexiev, yeah. Alexiev. Yeah. Yep. 
I've totally butchered that name. You can, again, I'm, I'm just about done here, but <laughs> Alexia, uh, I saw him play a few times, uh, in the Canada Russia series a few years ago. That's right. Yeah. Right. Can't believe he's only 21, but that dude's really good. At least in junior, yep. he was really good. I don't know if he's got any, um, NHL experience, but maybe he'll do well with, uh, yeah, he played 12 games with Hershey last year. Yeah. Maybe he'll do well with, uh, with Washington. He'll get some time at the caps. I'm thinking Alexiev's going to stay down in Hershey this year, but next Probably. year he might come up. I just think Washington's got enough guys already on their team. Um, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a what's the name Romanov situation in, in Montreal, where it's just yep. like he's the offensive defenseman that might provide a boost every once in a while, but they maybe don't need him because they got other guys who are doing well. So Alexiev will have to play his way into a spot on this team. I don't see where he's going to go. Um, but again, we'll see what happens. Who knows? Right. So um, my X fact, Oh my gosh. There again, nothing's changed. That's the thing. It's, it's hard to like provide an X factor. I think I said Kuznetsov last year. I think I know who your X factor should be. It should be Ovechkin. No, and... that's not who your X factor should be. No. Who is it? Connor McMichael. That's not my X factor. <laughs> There's no way. There's he's not even gonna play. He's gonna be in Hershey this year again. Oh no, dude, dude, dude. He's like the perfect Scott Conkin X Factor. Like played for Team Canada World Juniors. He's an O, you know, a CHL player. He's a center, you know, a big centerman. Yeah, but I will but it's not that big. To be honest, I'm not like I'm not super high on McMichael. I just Okay. Something about him just doesn't sit right with me. I don't know what it is. Honestly, from that draft, I think he has the biggest potential to be a bust. That's a hot take, but it's a really hot take, actually. I just something selling to me is off about him. I don't know what it is. Okay, well, let's go through the rest of Washington's forward group because you have Nicholas Backstrom at center, obviously, Evgeny Kuznetsov, who they're going to try and get rid of at some point this season, you would think. Um, Probably. Lars Eller still exists. Still exists. Um, Nick Dowd still exists. Yep. Connor McMichael and Garrett Pilon might get time this year. Maybe. Who knows? Maybe. Uh, that's your center spot. Your wing, you know, wingers, Carl Hagelin, Alex Ovechkin, Connor Sheary, Garnet Hathaway. I really like Garnet Hathaway, by the way. That's I like great. Hathaway's a good player. I really like him. Uh, Anthony Manta, who they acquired last deadline, TJ Oshie, uh, getting old at 34 years old, he, he's getting up there. Um, old, but still effective, still very effective, somewhat effective. And then you have Tom Wilson, um, yep. who's gonna get suspended, uh, twice this season, once, once, and it's gonna be big, it's gonna be like an eight or nine game suspension. I'm thinking, okay, um. I mean, I said, you know, Alexeyev is my kind of guy I'm interested in. TJ Oshie is kind of my X factor because they, you know, talked about him going to Seattle at the expansion draft. It didn't happen. Now he's still yeah. in Washington with a big cap hit. 34 years old. Yep. I'm going to say Ovechkin. Uh, this is Ovechkin's team. It still is. It, it will be until he retires or goes to Dynamo Moscow, but the, the Ovechkin train, if he's going, the rest of the team's going, 
and I really hope he gets decent, puts up 40 this year because if he does, Gretzky, you better look out. Um, I guess the other X factor I got to watch should be Samsonov. Yep, definitely. How the yep. goaltending is going to be, like, I think he's fine. One of the things that that's, was fascinating to me last year about Washington, I don't know if team chemistry is something that concerns me, but they were a team that I I, I want to say had like multiple COVID outbreaks, mo- multiple COVID p- players missing time because of you know COVID or false positives or um, yeah. Well, they had the whole thing with. Uh, it was Kuznetsov, Orlov, Samsonov, and Ovechkin were all in the same room, and they weren't supposed to. And then Ovi's wife went on the record. She was pissed about that whole thing, saying, like, they basically hang out all the time. Why can't they be in the hotel room together for team bonding? There was a whole – it was a whole thing. but It was a whole thing, and I, ju- I just feel yeah. like la- – I just feel like last year was um, – and with how it ended, too, because they, they thought they were going to beat Boston. Like, I think they thought they were better than the Bruins last season in the first round oh, of the playoffs. I thought, I, the Capitals were the better team. The Bruins just, well, got lucky. But, and, yeah. and, and as a result now, I wonder how that impacts them this season. I, I just yeah. wonder if there's maybe some team chemistry. There's, like, they're probably pissed with how last season played out, and they think they're better than that, and maybe they are. So they can use this momentum one way or another. Yeah, I think especially you know they won the cup in 2018, and since then it's they've been pretty underwhelming in the playoffs, yeah. and that's I think that's going to kind of fuel them a bit to do some damage in you know now that they're back in their quote normal divisions. I think they're again I don't have them as a playoff team here, but that's because I have Philly taking an absolute shot up through the roof because of Carter Hart. But however, having said that, they do they do have the potential to jump a over a Pittsburgh, for example. Or Philly if they falter and they might you never know. Again, once you get to playoffs, you never know. But uh yeah. we have two teams left. Which one do you want to talk about? We love the Ian Landers, so let's talk about them. All right, let's talk about the Ian Landers. So this is the New York Islanders, in case you're wondering. Some people some people love the nickname Ianlanders, other people hate the nickname Ianlanders. But it's a taste. The Ian the Inlanders is an acquired taste. It's an acquired taste. That's a great way of putting it. It is. They've kind yes. of been my bandwagon team. So pretty much, if you don't know, I last year I did have them in the top four. You did. Yep. And and they made the top four. And the year yep. before, when they were in a bubble. I said before, uh, I said during the 2019 Stanley Cup Finals that the Islanders were going to be in the 2020 Stanley Cup Finals, and they were two wins short of doing that against the Tampa Bay Lightning. So if there's anybody who's kind of been on the Islanders bandwagon for like the last two years, yeah, it's been Big E, two and a half years. Um, What do you like about the Islanders? And it's two two words, Matt Barzell. Okay. Let, let me just oh, let me just tell let you. Let me give this. you a few minutes here to yeah. just discuss let me, Matt Barzell. Let me speak my piece. So there's a lot to like about Matt Barzell, especially being a BC guy. Um, first of all, he's from Coquitlam, BC, so he's a little he's localish to us, and especially to you, Ian, being in Burnaby. Second of all, the kids 
go watch Matt Barzell highlight clips and come back and w- listen to this podcast. You will thank me later. He's a he's a beast. Just, just stop what you yeah. Just stop what you're doing right now, and go watch Matt Barzell highlights on YouTube. Well, watch top ten highlights from 2020 21 season. Yeah, yeah. it's ridiculous. The, kid, the kid's ridiculous. He I will say he is one of I think he's one of the elite centers in the league. He's not McKinnon McDavid Matthews level yet. He's but he's close. He's not Crosby level either. He's like the third tier of like elite centers. There's like a I mean there's so many good centers in the NHL, but He's getting up there and just, man, he just, I just love him watching him on the puck. He, I think he led the NHL in puck possession time, like physically himself. So it's, he's just so much fun. His edge work is probably top five in the league up there with Makar and insert Hughes brother here. But um, yeah, he's, he's unreal. I think he's so much fun to watch and I would pick him on my, you know, NHL team in my fantasy draft, you name it. Like he's on my team. That's my guy right there. I, I love Barzell. Oh, I, 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 I love every thing. I love everything about this team. They have, they have one of the best GMs in the league in Lou Lamorello. Love him or hate him. He's one of the best, one of the best head coaches in Barry Trotz. I would say top two, if not the best. Probably the best. Probably the best, yeah. John Cooper, Barry Trotz, John John Quill, you know. Quinville. And all those guys Canadian. So, yeah. All those yeah. guys, you know, put them wherever, and it's probably fair. Yep. Their system is one of the best. They play some of the best. It's probably boring to watch, but it's some of the best system hockey. And that's what I love about a, te- like a team sport like that is that yeah. – you kind of, if you watch enough Islanders hockey, you know where everybody should be. Like you know who's got to be, yep. you know, picking up for who, who's got to be where, what guy's going after the puck, who's going into corner, who's going for the break. Like it's just it's superb hockey to watch. Oh, um, especially if you're if you're an like if you're more than just a casual fan. If, if absolutely, and you know if you know the game, they're yeah they're an elite team to watch, especially with their systems working how they so how the systems are. And I, I, I love their defense. Yeah. Their goaltending, I really like. Dare I say Pulak and Pelic best deep de- pairing in the NHL? There's an argument to be made for that. There, there, is, there really is. There yeah. really is. I, I, it's tough to argue against it. Yep. With that being said, um, this team is really good. They're going to a new arena. They're not going to be at the Coliseum this year. They're going to be at the UBS arena, which is going to be uh, by um, – wherever they do the U.S. Open tennis. Uh, Flushing, Flushing Meadows. It's, yeah. yeah. Still on Long Island, but again, that's the thing I was going to talk about. Their fan base, they're, the, the, the Coliseum's timeless. Absolutely timeless. The atmosphere in there is absolutely rowdy, and I, I really hope they can replicate it at UBS. I'm thinking they will. I'm sure they will. I, I, I'm sure they will. That's, what, that's, part of, that's part of what makes the Islanders so cool is the fact that they're just like, it's a party, it's a show, and it's loud all it the loud. time. Oh, yeah. I remember, I'm not sure, this was 2018, the year Tavares went to the Leafs. I think it was 2018-19. The first game back, Yeah. there was like a six-minute clip. I've watched it several times to this point. Like, put in, toss in some headphones, like, deafening. Absolutely deafening. I mean, they're ripping Tavares to shreds, but absolutely. We're gonna be honest. Yeah, no, Tavares. Like 
he got roasted when he went back to the Coliseum. And the Islanders are just they're awesome. They're awesome. Oh, for sure. They're definitely making the playoffs for sure on in this division. Definitely making the playoffs. So with that being said, who's the player to watch on the Islanders this season? I mean, we did we spent about five minutes talking about Barzell. So I'll, I'll let him I'll let him be because obviously he's a guy to really watch out for. I'm gonna say, oh god, I'm gonna say Ryan Pulak. Okay. And it's a pretty easy pick, but again, he's just man, he is so solid. He is such a solid defenseman. I think he's a guy that, um, yeah, I don't know, gonna take a big jump. I, you know, there's a bunch of I could, there's, there's a bunch of guys here that you know the Islanders have picked up, but I'm sure we'll get into and talk about them later. But I'm gonna say Pulak because he he could depending on how his possessions numbers are and how he puts up points, he might be in the run for the Norris. I I have two. Okay. And there's a reason why I have two. There's, there's a, 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 a big reason and smaller reasons, but. Sure. I have Noah Dobson. Yep. Love him. And, and Oliver Wallstrom. Oh, nice. So. The reason I have both of them is because they were both taken in the 2018 draft. Back-to-back picks as well. Back-to-back right. picks. Like, they were back-to-back picks. So, there is that connection. Like, when I think of Dobson, I think of Wallstrom. And when I think of Wallstrom, I think of Dobson. Yep. Those two guys together. With that being said, Wallstrom's not he, – he's not taking over the Jordan Everly role. But he is going to be a, you know, they are they are expecting him to be an impactful third line winger for yeah. this team this yep. season, and he might score 30, 40 points. Yeah, if he has a really breakout year, um, it, you know, depending on if he gets some some power play time too, maybe. Yeah, he might actually. He actually might. He might. He's got a man. Wallstrom can really rip the puck. He's great. He got a great shot. He was also the guy, fun fact, in uh, the, I think it was, I forget what tournament it was called, but he was nine years old. He was the one that did the Michigan as a nine year old kid. That's remember, right. You remember that I, clip? I, 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 I kind of know that clip. Yeah. Anyways, that was Wallstrom. That was in uh, TD Garden in Boston. He did that as a nine year old kid. Absolutely. Yeah. School to goal. It was ridiculous. And then Dob- Dobson, I have him. I think he's going to have a bigger role. He, he's probably going to be a top four center for most or a top four defenseman for most of this year. Yeah. Can he fit in the system? Is he going to be a fit in the Barry Trot system? Is he going to be able to perform well? He, he's, he's not Pelican Pulak, you know, good no. yet, but he's still going to be one of the best defensemen, I think, this upcoming season. I think Dobson's due for a big step. He's, like you said, he's getting a bigger role, he's going to play more minutes. And, you know, having a guy, again, the Islanders just signed Chara to a, uh, basically like a base-level base, base level salary. And he's going to be a really good guy for Dobson to kind of learn from. So I, I'm, I'm excited to see the Islanders this year. Um, let's round it out with the Carolina Hurricanes. Yep. Last team we, 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 we have not discussed yet in yep. the Metro Division – I don't know, man. They're, they're also a, a weird – Weird, but in a good way, I think. Type, I want to say because yeah. 
I mean, I don't know. I don't know about their goaltending this upcoming year. I think they really made a mistake letting Nedeljkovic walk for Freddie and Anti Manta. Yeah. I think Nedeljkovic is a really good goalie, and I think they're making a mistake there. But, I mean, I mean, Slavin, one of the best defensemen in the NHL. They got Ethan Bear, who I really like, who I think it was unfortunate how his season ended last year. I will say Ethan Bear's not a he's not a top four defenseman, but he's gonna be a really good like third pairing defenseman on this team. I personally believe. And so, thrive. And they got Yasperi Kakaniemi. Yep. Um presumably I guess he's gonna play on the third line with Jordan Stahl. That seems like the right That's- we're daily faceoff has them right now with Jesper Frost on that line as well. Okay. Yeah. So this team is kind of all over the place, but I think there's enough talent here to do well. I agree with that. There, there really is. And um, one thing I want to say about Carolina, their top six is unbelievably good. I, yeah, I, I mean, you fucking look at like Trocheck, who I think is a really good center. But yep. their first line is fucking good. Yeah. Um, Nasha, how, how good is Svechnikov, though? Oh, God. Dude, like, unbelievable. Like, Michigan's aside, that's, you know, everyone hypes him up for, oh, I did the Michigan twice. And that's great. He's got the skill. But if you just watch him play, he's just such a force. I mean, I think, uh, I think Aho is probably my favorite Carolina forward. But. <laughs> There's but, an argument for a bunch of guys on that team. But. Oh yeah, like I'm not like I don't think you can have a wrong pick. Like I think oh. Svechnikov is really fucking good. I think Sebastian Aho is good. Oh, and by the way, Tevu Teravainen, also good player. Also pretty good. And Martin Natchez, let's just not forget about him. He's Natchez. I I like Vincent Trocheck. Even Niederreiter's really like come to his own in Carolina. Yeah. I like where this where this you know team is going. Yep. I don't like the D'Angelo signing because I think he's a bit of a locker room cancer. Um, I think that that's tough to when you that that's tough and the um the goalies. Those are like the two things that really bother yeah. me with the Hurricanes. It's D'Angelo yeah. and the goalies. I will say with the Hurricanes, we talked about good coaches and Barry Trotz with the Islanders. Rod Brindamore is the coach of the Hurricanes, and he's a guy. That's not going to take any shit. And I think D'Angelo has had some issues. Don't get me wrong. He has. But I think Brendan Moore is one of those guys that can maybe snap it out of him. And he, when he's, when D'Angelo's on, he's actually a pretty good player. Oh, but sure. I'm not, like, so I just, so basically coming out soon is a 2014 NHL redraft with SYP creator Ravisher. And we talked about Tony D'Angelo for a bit. Mm-hmm. And we both said, you know, what kind of player you're getting with Tony D'Angelo? Like you know what he brings the to the ice. table on the ice. On the ice, you know, you know what you're getting with him as as a like quality defenseman. Yes, Aho broke his ankles in the bubble, but like for the most part, you kind of know what he brings to the table, and he wasn't a bad defenseman. The issue becomes when you're fighting your goalies, when you were promoting all your Trump stuff, when you're getting all into the like the the, the political um, aspect of it where you're alienating some of your fans and your teammates that becomes a problem i i i'm i'm wondering if it changed in carolina apparently they're 100 vaccinated so maybe that is something that 
helps. Maybe he's changed yeah. in that regard. I, yeah. I don't know. I, I just, if there's two things that I really worry about with the Hurricanes, it's D'Angelo and goaltending. Okay. So then who's your X Factor with that in mind? With that in mind, I think it's Kakaniemi. Oh, interesting. Okay. Because I, I mean, I don't think they're, I think he's in a really good spot where they're not asking him to do a whole lot. He's just got to be, you know, a, a solid third line left wing. He might get yeah. some special teams time, um, you know, grow a little bit. It's kind of like the, the guy that I sort of compared him to, I was thinking about comparing him to. Do you remember Brandon Ingram in the NBA many years ago when he was playing yes. for the Lakers? Where yeah. where yep. people where people compared him to like Kevin Durant. He's like skinny Kevin Durant. Sure. And if he and if he could only put on 50 pounds or if he could, you know, grow, he's got this whole body that he needs to grow into, then he's gonna be a great player. Right. And it's just like that's kind of what I'm hearing about Kakaniemi of somebody who's like, if he can grow into this body, if he can get stronger and be tougher or whatever, he's gonna be a great player. I, what took Ingram the time to, you know, what took what got him kind of over this hump or to the player that we thought he was, he played for New Orleans and he got out of LA and he, you know, yeah. change of place was really nice. Maybe like, that's what it is. They have a hot market too. I will say Montreal is no easy place to play. And with media as it is, albeit, you know, English or French speaking, it's still, it's still a wild atmosphere, right? So Carolina is a little bit of a slower pace in some aspects. Um, I think he'll be good. And again, he's got Aho, he's got Teravine, two Finnish guys with him. Might be really, like you said, it might be really good for him. So, yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at. My player to watch is Kakaniemi. I like it. Who's yours? Frederick Anderson. That's, that, that's a good answer. You talk about goaltending being a concern. Frederick Anderson is going to have a bit of a bounce back year. He kind of was in the shadow, injured a little bit last year with, and also Jack Campbell played a lot more than he did um, in Toronto. Frederick Anderson is a good goalie, former Anaheim Duck, not biased at all here. I'm actually speaking, I'm actually like telling you the truth here. He is a good goalie and in front of a team like the Hurricanes, albeit they did lose Hamilton, which is a big loss. Don't get me wrong, but they have the organization, organizational depth to kind of replace the defensive capabilities of the team. And I think Anderson will have a good year. And the, the Hurricanes are my number one seed right now, but we'll see what happens. All right. You want to go through uh, playoff teams and what our playoff predictions yeah. are going to be? Let's do it. You go first. I have Carolina at one. Okay. The Flyers at two because of my hot take. All right. Uh, Ranger or uh, sorry, Islanders at three. Ian Landers at three, sorry. And then the Penguins at four, Capitals on the five, at five outside looking in. Okay. And then Ranger six, Devil seven. Yep. Obviously. Okay. Yep. My prediction, I have the Islanders first, the yep. Inlanders first. Yep. A little bit of bias, but mostly I just, I love everything that's going on with the team right now. Oh, they're sick. Yeah. They're so sick. Carolina second. I have Washington third. Ooh. I have Philly fourth, and I have Pittsburgh missing the playoffs. Okay. With the Rangers sixth, the Devils seventh, and Columbus eighth. Yeah. Well, at least our, our bottom three are consensus. Well, pretty well, pretty much it's one through six that's like a total crapshoot in oh, this division. And we could be very the Rangers could finish third here. You just don't know. The and Rangers could make the playoffs and Washington and Pittsburgh commit like 
especially if Shesterkin stands on his head and the defense plays like average with that forward core, you just never know. So and that that's kind of where I'm at with the Metro. Yeah. I don't know if any of us are re- like, I think both of us are probably going to be wrong by the end. Cause I just think this is just such a crap shoot. Like I, yeah, no doubt. There's two uh, things I will think, I think are right. The hurricanes and Islanders are both definitely making the playoffs. Is that so? Like, if that's like, if we had to guarantee, like, here's what is going to happen. Instead of telling people what, it, like, we don't know, what's yeah. your like one guarantee? Is that Carolina Islanders make the playoffs? One hundred percent. Okay, they're both as the Islanders. I would put a hundred bucks on. No, I'm not going to. But if I was to, I would put hundred bucks on Islanders make the playoffs, and I'd be confident in that. I'm, I, I will – my guarantee is that the Islanders, they may not finish first, but they're going to be the top te- – like, they're going to finish in the top four. Yep. The Islanders will finish like, in the top four. Like, they'll, they'll go to the conference final. They'll go to the conference finals. Yep. I like it. That's my, like, one guarantee. That's my one I know for sure. Yep. They will go to the conference finals. I mean, they are – I think they're the best playoff team in this division, and they are built the best for sure. sure. Actually, I was going to say the other team that I think if they get in could do really well in the playoffs are the Rangers. Mm, okay. They just have to get in. They need to get in though. That's the, that's the hard part. That's the hard part. Yeah. Um, Scott, any other final thoughts? We had a really good golf chat with Max. We got a really good Metro preview in any other final thoughts before we head out here? No, I'm, I'm happy. This is the Metro. I don't know if it was more fun to do this podcast. The Atlantic was so obvious. Like the teams were like, kind of like, you know, who's going to make it, you know, who's not. This was a little more fun. It was fun to see like the changes and, you know, again, it's going to be fun to see this year and we could be very wrong. They're, like we could see the Capitals and the Penguins and the Flyers miss the playoffs. And you could see like the Rangers in maybe even the Devils. You just don't know. Who the hell knows? I don't know any of this. So that's the podcast. Uh, thank you to Max for coming on, uh, talking about the Ryder Cup earlier. Uh, shout out to Scott. Thank you to Scott for taking the time to talk about both golf and hockey. Uh, next week, we will be discussing the Central Division and all that entails with that division. That's also kind of a crapshoot. That's going to be the hardest division to predict, I, in my opinion. That's okay. a total shit show. All right. Out in the Midwest, in the Central. But we'll see how it goes. Uh, be sure to check out uh, our SYP Edmonton takeover this weekend. Uh, I'm going to Edmonton to cover rugby and not get COVID. Those are my two goals this weekend. Uh, there's actually uh, there's actually a Hitman Oil Kings game on Friday night, preseason oh. game, that I'm thinking about going to maybe. We'll see about that. You'll probably get media credits for it, so. I could ask and see. It's not at it's not at Rogers Place. It's at their downtown community rink or whatever. Okay. Right, so, right, right. Uh, and I well, I also got denied media creds to cover the Canucks training camp uh, Thursday in Abbotsford. So nice. uh, uh, I got denied. So pretty much, uh, oh. we're we're gonna be we are now an anti Canucks slash anti Oilers podcast from now on. So you're saying we're a Flames podcast? Is that what you're saying to me? Right we now? might be a Flames podcast. That's might that no. what we're on. Of all our viewers, that make might make two people happy. Out of all of our <laughs> listeners, I really hope we're not a Flames podcast. Because I've always loved Johnny Goodrow. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyways, 
Uh, so be sure to check out my takeover in Edmonton this weekend. It's going to be exciting. Uh, we got a, I got a couple articles coming out on the way as well. Uh, as I mentioned too, we have a 2014 NHL redraft pod with SYP creator Ravisher coming out here in the next few days. So be sure to uh, stay tuned to that. Uh, thank you again to Scott for taking the time to do this. It's greatly appreciated. Uh, and we'll be back again soon. Uh, be sure if you're watching on YouTube, like the vid, subscribe to the channel. If you're on Spotify, make sure to follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Wherever you get your podcasts, you'll find Speak Your Peace. Again, thank you very much for joining us. We'll be back again soon. Peace out.